Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we are here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. We've got a Week 12 preview to get to. We've got some coaching carousel stuff to get to. And we've got new news on the Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, Connor Stallions, all that stuff, the juicy information that I apparently just have to put into an episode and everybody watches it. I, I kid you not, guys. I put Connor Stallions into an episode, it does like three times more views than my other episodes. So um, the basketball episodes are really struggling right now because they have nothing to do about hardball. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, that is what it is. But I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves before we get going, and then we'll get into all the juicy stuff. We have Max from the Sky U pod here. He covers Minnesota with a couple other guys over there. Max, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell people where they can find the podcast. Yeah, so we do uh, go for football at SkyUPod. You can find us on Twitter at SkyUPod1. Um, our podcasts are available on pretty much every platform you can listen to, uh, Apple, Spotify. It's all at SkyUPod. And then we are on YouTube now this year at SkyUPod. Uh, so give us a like and a subscribe, and uh, hopefully we uh, look okay on camera. There we go. Hopefully. Uh, all right, I got my friend Anthony back with us again for his second appearance on the Big Ten Huddle. Anthony is with Spartan Shadows. Go ahead and tell people about yourself, Anthony, where they can find you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me back. Didn't I guess I didn't scare you guys off or whatever. <laughs> um, so I do um, do some writing on the side for Spartan Shadows. You can find us at SpartanShadows.com or on Twitter, Spartan underscore Shadows. Uh, my personal Twitter is at TheRealSharty. Um, if you're a fan of uh, self-deprecating humor and spreading misinformation and just overall tomfoolery, you can uh, you can find me there. All the things that Twitter is known for. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've been busy. We've been busy this past month. Oh yeah, the yeah, oh yeah. We'll have we'll get more to that on uh, when we get to the Harbaugh Connor Stallion situation. Don't you worry. So, uh, just to make sure you know, we are a podcast that's brought to you by Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. Go there for all your Big Ten media needs. And if you're watching on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. If you're listening on podcast, please do give us a follow or subscribe over there and give us a rating. Let us know how you think we're doing. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. We always like to improve, so we like to hear from you on those things. All right, guys, let's get into this. So our very very first thing we're going to get into is the coaching carousel. We have four different Big Ten teams, I guess three Big Ten teams right now, and one that's coming next year that have some coaching news going into them. Uh, Michigan State obviously has been looking for their coach for a while. There's been tons of rumors, nothing really kind of concrete out there. Some news came out today about possible Tony Elliott. Um, I know Michigan State fans weren't too happy about that. The rumor before was Urban Meyer. So when you go from Urban Meyer to Tony Elliott, it's like, not really the best transition. <laughs> uh, and then we have Northwestern, who they just hired David Braun. Uh, the UCLA rumor is that Chip Kelly is going to be fired after the USC game. And then, of course, Michigan. What's going on with Michigan? Is Michigan going to have Harbaugh at the end of the year? Are they going to move on from them? Is the NCAA going to force them to move on from them? We'll kind of talk about that for a minute first. But I'm going to go ahead and send this to Anthony first. Anthony, what are some of your thoughts on the coaching carousel on the Big Ten right now? Well, I'll start with the Michigan State one. Tony Elliott is not a serious name. I'm just going to get that out there right now. Um, I, I'm assuming everyone's got to have a safety net when they're interviewing, and he would probably be Michigan State's. Um, I also don't think there's that much smoke to Urban Meyer. That's just my two cents. I'll, I'll probably get some get some flack for saying that, but you know, I I think a lot of the other usual suspects that you, whose names you hear, you know, the Mike Elkos of the world, I think they're much more realistic on who we land at this point. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, Tony Elliott, whatever. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> taking, I don't, I don't think there's any smoke behind that one. Um, on the other ones, I, I, I've talked agnosium about what I think, uh, Michigan's, you know, what's happening with Harbaugh. I think he's sick of the NCAA. I think he's gone next year. Um, Northwestern's was interesting. You know, there was a lot of similar to Michigan state. They had a lot of off, off the field scrutiny for the program and they did what Michigan state could not and rebounded really nicely during the season. They had an interim step in, uh, with David Braun and he really, he took a team that had a pretty scary start to the year and really, you know, has put him put him in a spot to, you know, potentially make a bowl game. So I think it's good that he gets a shot. Um, after having Pat Fitzgerald there for so long, I kind of wonder who else, you know, where else do you go? It's he's kind of, he was kind of your mainstay for so long. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see, I'm happy for David Brown that he's done so well uh, in the situation that he was put in. Yeah, I agree. I think the Northwestern one is kind of the biggest news and the news that people are, are kind of happiest for because, you know, he's probably going to be at least in contention for Big Ten Coach of the Year, especially if he wins another game and gets to a bowl. I think, you know, in my personal opinion, you almost have to give it to him after that. Max, what are some of your thoughts about the coaching carousel in the Big Ten right now? Yeah, to start with the Northwestern one, uh, like you said, Anthony, the David Braun has had a great year. I mean, it was already looking bleak for Northwestern with Fitzgerald. Uh, to lose their head coach, to have the roster that they do, and to play the you know in the Big Ten, like it was going to look tough. It was going to look like a maybe one-two win season for them to rip off some of the wins they've had um, with their roster that they've had is really impressive. Uh, so good for David Braun. I'm glad he gets a shot. Um, and actually, shout out to Winona State University. That's my alma mater. That's where he went to school. He played football there, coached there for a time. So kind of cool to see a Division Two football player make it uh, into the Big Ten. Um, yeah, with Michigan, uh, it is hard to see Harbaugh coming back, um, especially, I think, if they win the national championship. I don't know why he would stay. He's kind of accomplished everything he wanted to in the in the collegiate level. So if he wins it all or makes a deep run, I think he'll say, all right, well, see you. Don't want to deal with this anymore. Um, it's kind of hard to blame him, too. He's had a lot of crap thrown at him, especially this year. But, um, yeah, it is hard to see him come back. Um, UCLA, Chip Kelly... That one actually surprised me. Just, I know they've been stagnant a little bit uh, there at UCLA, but it is a tough place. I mean, with USC, with the way the Pac-12 is, it is a, you know, they're not the premier school or program they've used to be, but Chip Kelly's always kind of seemed like a big name. Uh, but the rumor I've been reading about, actually, that the donors didn't love him or haven't loved him lately um, and with the era of NIL and, you know, donors being the, the key to the big money. If they're not going to be donating and, you know, giving their support, then... If it's Chip Kelly standing in the way, then he's got to go. So it makes sense if that's really the case. I do kind of wonder yeah. if that's going to affect uh, Dante Moore and what he, you know, does that's he stick around if Chip Kelly's not going to be there? You know, he's an offensive-minded guy. Is Dante Moore in the transfer portal? And then where does he go? Of course, in the drama with Dante Moore about the NIL deal and he's not making the money that he thought he was and that kind of stuff, I feel like Dante Moore is, you know, he's gone after this year. Uh, you mess up an NIL deal nowadays and, you know, I mean, we we all saw what happened with Jaden Rashada at Florida. He's over at Arizona State now. Uh, I mean, once you mess that up, it kind of feels like, you know, you're kind of done with that player for good because NIL is just such an important thing. Um, I, I heard the same thing that you did, Max, about Chip Kelly just not really working well with the donors and some of those people. But it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Chip Kelly has always been more of an X's and O's guy. Uh, I mean, he had that big success when he was at Oregon. But when you think about it, like Oregon was doing so many things for Chip Kelly there, right? Like that was right when 
Oregon was getting innovative with the Nike stuff. Uh, Chip Kelly was being super innovative with his offense. At the time, there was no NIL, uh, and Chip Kelly had a lot of good recruiters with him on that staff that made a big difference. And uh, so everything just kind of fell into place for him there. And then obviously he goes off to the Eagles, and he, he does some good things there. But ultimately, you know, he's out of the NFL and back to college football. I could really see Chip Kelly just, like, going off and doing one of these analyst roles or something like that. Like, somewhere where he can just, like, live and breathe X's and O's, doesn't have to worry about recruiting, doesn't have to, you know, be the phone guy and mess with the, you know, the donors and the AD and all those things. Like, it's like, just sit him at a desk, let him do X's and O's, and he's going to draw up some really good plays for your guys, you know? Um, So, so yeah, but... To that point, I feel like head coaches nowadays in college football are kind of asked to be a CEO more than anything. Like they really just have to be aware of everything and they get involved in a lot of administrative stuff. So for someone who is an X's and O's guy, I could see him not wanting to do that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, The other guy that I think he's going to struggle with trying to keep his job, and I don't even know if it's because of his university, is Jim Harbaugh. I I just can't imagine he comes back to Michigan, like you guys were saying. I, I, I don't see a place for him to be able to come back, not necessarily because Michigan's going to be mad at him. Obviously, the Michigan fans and the Michigan uh, administration and everything is rallying behind him, but I just feel like in February or March when all this NCAA stuff drops, um, either he's going to get some kind of show cause and be out, or um, something's going to happen to where, you know, it's like, it's just not worth it for him anymore. You know, is he really going to want to deal with, you know, a bowl ban, a scholarships? I'm not saying that stuff's going to happen, but if any of that stuff does happen, does he really want to deal with that? Especially if he wins the national championship this year, it's like, you can just go to the NFL, be a defensive coordinator, be a head coach. And, you know, those jobs are going to be much more available if you win a national championship. So, um, I, I really don't know what Michigan will do from there. I would think that probably Sharon Moore would take the job. I think if you get hit with some penalties, it would be really, really difficult to try and go out and get a big name. Uh, The name that I've heard the most, uh, Max, I don't know if you like it or not, but the name I've heard the most is PJ Fleck. Uh, If anything happens, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't really see it, but I guess other people do. Um, But, you know. It is what it is. Do you do you have any thoughts on that, Max? Uh, I don't see, I don't see Michigan replacing the winged helmets with winged oars yeah. soon. So <laughs> I don't know if PJ Fleck would even be about that. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Row the boat, not Sharon you know, Flap the wings. Sharon <laughs> Morris had kind of a couple of chances to audition, really. You know, for the role, yeah. and you know, he had some early in the season where he got the coach, but going on the road against Penn state and then getting, you know, getting some run against Ohio state later on. Like these are games that where he can audition for his coaching job next year. And I think he, already he's proven himself pretty capable, even if they don't beat OSU, but like show up in a big way. I think Sharon Moore still, still is very likely the guy next year. Yeah. I think if, I think Harbaugh, does, if Harbaugh does go right. Max, your buddies over at sky, you were saying, <laughs> uh, have at him. <laughs> Not too happy with PJ. Uh, and then our boy Sonny, uh, bring Harbaugh to the Bears. Hey, um, I would love to see Harbaugh and Justin Fields together. Uh, that would be very interesting. Unless Harbaugh comes in and then just cuts Justin Fields and brings in J.J. McCarthy. I guess that's also an option. But <laughs> All right, any more comments on uh, coaching carousel? Anything like that, guys? 
Nope. All right. One thing I will say, even though it's not Big Ten related, um, uh, I have one. Sorry. Well, even though it's not Big Ten related, I think the A and M job opening up hurts anybody. You know, Michigan State was one of the bigger jobs that was available. Now, now the A and M's open. I think the they might not necessarily get their first pick anymore, um, just based on the bag that we know A and M can throw. Yeah, for sure. And I, I even saw some people saying that the Mississippi State job was a better job than Michigan State uh, right now. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not nearly it's, as good. That <laughs> Yeah, I mean, go be it's a an SEC back. job. So it's it's an SEC job. So from that perspective, I see it. But like, it's it's, it's certainly not a better job, maybe an on par job. Yeah, um, I would, that's all I was going to say. MSU school, you know. On par at the very least, but I I can't see anything with that Mississippi State program that would lead me to believe that it's a better job than Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State has been to the playoffs, right? Yes, these past two years have been hard, but um, you know, Michigan State they're they're willing to pay, they're willing to win. Um, Mississippi State they're not going to win. So, all right, let's move on to Connor Stallions no expense reports. So, the same guy, uh what was it? Larry Lage, I think was his name, uh who reported for the AP that Ohio State and Purdue were working in conjunction with their sign stealing. He is reporting that he went to Michigan and filed a, a freedom what's it called? A freedom of um, knowledge act or something, uh, or a freedom of information act. That's right. He filed a freedom of information act, which is, um, responded to in record time that said it was responded to like within, uh, just a little while. What was it? Uh, a month or something like that. Uh, which if you know anything about these freedom of information acts, they, that is like, no, it doesn't happen nearly that fast ever. So uh, just a really interesting situation. And Michigan has come out and said that uh, Connor Stallions never filed any expense reports during his 17 months there uh, when he was formerly employed. So uh, obviously Michigan fans are happy about this. This shows that, you know, Michigan wasn't paying uh, for these tickets and stuff like that, uh, at least on the books to do those kinds of things. So a bit of a win here for the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, guys, I, I want your thoughts. Do you guys feel like this is a win? Do you feel like it matters? I mean, what are kind of some of your general thoughts on this and what goes into the whole Michigan situation? Max, let's start with you first. Yeah, I mean, I feel like any news now that comes out, it feels like the damage is already done, right? I mean, whether he, it seems like he really did it, whether or not Michigan knew about it or not, or who at Michigan knew about it. At this point, it's really hard to believe anything or know who to believe in any, you know, what everyone's saying. So to me, this coming out is really kind of nothing. Um, it maybe helps Michigan in like some legal cases or whatever they're going to use it for. But uh, at the end of the day, the whole thing is just it's a crazy story. Uh, it's it's kind of funny in a way. In the back of my mind, I always, you know, I keep thinking, like, is this almost like good for college football that there's just this crazy scandals going on in the background that are more or less, you know, it's stealing signs. It's not like people are throwing the games or paying off refs or doing anything, you know, too bad that, uh, you know, obviously there's rules against what they did. So whatever punishment they get, I guess that's what they get. But uh, this news that came out to me is, I don't know, it's it's a lot of nothing, I guess. Nothing burger. <laughs> uh, Anthony, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it doesn't really move the needle for me either. It's kind of like, given some of the other information that's already been revealed about what was going on, it's, you know, I, I think it'll get used in the court, you know, maybe the Michigan's defense 
my my counter to it would be, you know, if it truly is not an allowable act, then why would they file an expense report to document it? You know, like right. that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't really exonerate Michigan or Stallions necessarily, but I, I guess you could kind of you could you could make the case that it's strengthening the he was acting alone um, scenario. But to you know, given all how poorly stallions did some of his other spy work right using a you know personal credit card in his own venmo account like it wouldn't surprise me if he did leave a paper trail of expense reports to also document it um so i don't know it's i think it's it's you know it's it's just funny to watch um every headline on this is gonna be you know almost clickbait at this point people just see stallions name and then immediately anger tweet or troll at it you know so it's just i don't know it's this one doesn't feel like as monumental as some of the other revelations that we've gotten in, in this whole in this whole saga. Have we just become numb that like something comes out now and it's like, oh, more information, you know? <laughs> like, okay, you're like, I'll read about it because I want to be informed, but it's like, you know, how, how big a news is this really? Um, I, to me, I do think that the big news of it is it can be used in court. Um, I think that any rational fan um and maybe you know michigan fans would disagree with me on this that's okay michigan fans you've disagreed with me a lot on twitter that's fine <laughs> i've seen your cope harder cry harder uh you know and trust me i'm coping and crying so hard uh but you know i feel like it is gonna help with the you know legal side of it for them to be able to say like hey we don't have any kind of paperwork on hand nothing like that um you know us fans will be able to say like look uh, he probably just went to a donor and like the donor funded him money or look at this random you know used vacuum service that you know had like one star reviews on it on amazon you know like obviously this guy was funneling money somehow for him to be able to do these things um the fifteen thousand dollars um thing that was put out there before like i i don't buy that at all you know i've gone to games and i can tell you especially going to games where i'm traveling across state lines um you know if i went to 30 games that would not cost fifteen thousand dollars. you know be much much more than that so and you know i don't know what kind of compensation he gets from the military or anything like that and that's just kind of the whole thing with it like there there's a lot of unknowns but at the same time like like you said anthony it's like I'm kind of surprised there's no paper trail because this has all been done so poorly. <laughs> you know, it's almost like you expect something like that. But at the end of the day, if there is none, there's nothing they can really use and, and hold up in court. So you guys got any final thoughts on this? I think it'd be hilarious if the next night game, Michigan, all of their staff just wore sunglasses. <laughs> With little blue lights. Go the, the extra, just go the extra step. Just troll even harder. I think that this Ohio State game is going to be just, I don't know. It's, it's going to be heated. It's going to be intense as it's ever been. I don't know. I think this is doing nothing but good things for that rivalry, honestly. They're just going to – it's the most in, you know intense we'll see these fans. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think um, – you know, I was just talking to one of my buddies about this the other day, like – you know, normally I kind of get concerned about fights happening on the field, you know, and like players getting ejected and stuff like that. Um, I'm not really concerned about that with the players. I think both teams are 
you know, disciplined enough and old enough to not really engage in that kind of stuff. Um, I'm more worried about the fans and, you know, some of the people I know that are going to the game. And it's like, I, I, I don't think I would go, uh, you know, you know what's going to happen there. I've been to like Indiana versus Akron games where, you know, fans can kind of get a little heated with one another. You know, I mean, you get up in the stands and the weather and you get a little bit of alcohol in you and it's like, you know, you, you want to go there and do something. And, um, so I can only imagine the, um, you know, just the, the vitriol and things like that, that's going to be happening, uh, with, with the fans. So, uh, we'll hope that there's no fights, uh, in the stands for this one, but all right, let's move on to Minnesota at Ohio state. Ohio state enters this game as a 27 and a half point favorite, uh, max your gophers. They're fighting for bowl eligibility. I think you have what this one and is Nebraska the other game. I forget or Northwestern. Uh, we've got Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. I've done so much research on all these teams that are one game out that I, <laughs> I get them all mixed up. Uh, but yeah, so Ohio St- at Ohio State in this one, right before Michigan, could be a possibility of you know resting a lot of players for Ohio State. Uh, what are your thoughts going into this one, Max? Yeah, definitely a chance for a lot of players to be rested for Ohio State. Uh, we actually just talked to Eric from the the Ohio podcast. He kind of said the same thing. He expects um, you know. He's hoping the game is over by halftime for the Buckeyes' sake, um, and not quite honestly, it could happen. Uh, but at the same time, too, the Gophers, I mean, they've PJ's talked about it nonstop. I mean, the injuries at the running back and middle linebacker position, uh, relying on freshmen last game against Purdue, and we all kind of saw how that played out against Purdue. Uh, so now trying to stop Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, the Ohio State offense is going to be a totally different task, um, especially going into the shoe uh, this late in the season is, I mean, to expect anything other than a near blowout is really all you can do. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, on the flip side too, I think PJ is going to really push for making sure no one else gets hurt this game. Yeah. Uh, looking at the Wisconsin game, the ax game coming up next being the rivalry that it is. And you know, for what it, what it means to, to go for football, to be bowl eligible. Um, it, it does have some importance uh, for what it's worth. So hopefully we stay healthy. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest strengths to this, you know, the go for defense is the D line, uh, but facing this Ohio state offensive line, it's kind of going to negate that. So, um, you know, I don't really trust our secondary to do a whole lot against this passing attack. Um, and then on the flip side too, you know, our quarterback play just hasn't been that consistent with Ethan. Um, so like I said, even if Ohio state rests a number of their starters, I don't think it's gonna make too much of a difference. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be another Minnesota loss. Do you know who the running back is in this one? Is it Newbin again? It'll most likely be Jordan Newbin, yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's been a nice story. Uh brother of Tyler Newbin, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Um and I'm really high on Tyler Newbin. I think Tyler Newbin is one of the best safeties in college football. He's been at the top of my defensive player of the year rankings for uh or de- yeah, for the award um all season long cuz I j- I just think he's a spectacular player. Um I think that, you know, this Minnesota secondary is elevated because of him. I don't like the corners as much as I like Newbin and um I'm trying to remember the other safeties name um off the top of my head, but uh but I like both those safeties a lot, Newbin uh obviously a lot more. So I do think that you know, Ohio State needs to be careful. You know, they talk about sitting all these players and doing these things. I do think that they need to be careful because Minnesota can get a really good running attack together and Newbin can make some plays, maybe get a pick or something like that. So um, I don't think it's 
quite the Michigan State game that people think. I think Minnesota is a much better team than Michigan State is. Um, but I think it's going to be closer closer than that, too. What are your thoughts, Anthony? Yeah, so Ohio State, I know there, there's a chance that they could get caught looking ahead to, to Michigan and, and resting some starters. So, you know, I could certainly see Minnesota covering in a game like this. But um, I Ohio State also has this their defense just has this way of just kind of sucking the soul out of you a little bit. And really that that's the unit that's just made strides from last year. They're just, their, their defense is just there. There's, you know, there's a lot to like about it and there's a lot to be scared about as an opponent coming in and facing them. Um, so, I mean, with Michigan state, we, we were, I, I knew we'd come in and, and get outclassed pretty quickly. And so then we ended up seeing a lot of the younger players getting run for a lot of the game. And, you know, so I could see Fleck doing some something similar to that. You know, if the game is already out of hand, you know, no need to injure, you know, the the depth that you have um, if, if you have a chance to play for a bowl next week. Um, th- that said, you know, McCord, he's he's good. I would not say he's as good as your as that type of quarterback that Ohio State's been putting out recently. But he's had you know, he has a lot. Lot to live up to, you know, with yeah. Stroud and, and JT Barrett and, uh, you know, everybody, all these other amazing Dwayne Haskins, Justin, Dwayne Fields. Haskins and Justin Fields. Like there's, there's so many names that, you know, like it's like, that's hard to live up to that, but he has Marvin Harrison. So, you know, there's some room for error, even if you, you know, Marvin Harrison, everyone talks about his radius and his, you know, athleticism, but it's honestly, it's, it's his route running, right. Just always being in the right place at the right time on his routes and, and getting his defenders to fall, fall down or whatever. He's just, he's such a solid route runner. It's, it's, it's really hard to stop him. If your secondaries, even with a good secondary Harrison, just he's, he jumps off the page. Yeah. And it's, it's the body control as well with the route running. I think that's what has improved this year to really kind of set him apart you know when he goes up in the air it just looks effortless the way he's able to reach up for the ball and the way he's going down it's like oh there's no way his foot oh never mind his foot is in bounds you know like <laughs> no idea how it's happening but but it does uh max your buddies uh they're willing to let the buckeyes squeak by if it means that you retain the axe so uh very kind of you sky you pod uh guys <laughs> <laughs> to, to let the Buckeyes have that. So, all right, let's move on to Michigan at Maryland. Michigan is favored by 19 points against Maryland, a little bit less than I thought. I thought they might get up into the 20s being favored, but obviously being at Maryland uh, seems to be, um, you know, something that they're favoring a little bit more in this one. Anthony, what are your thoughts on the Wolverines versus the Terrapins? So, um, this is a this is a Michigan team that is you know out out to prove something. Um, I don't think they I don't think they will get caught looking ahead in this game. I think they want to maul every single team that they play and the way that they play and just take control of everything immediately. Take the wind out of your sails, um, even if you are making it a game by you know by the end of the first half. By the second half, they've just worn you down. Right? You saw it against Penn State. They just they were, that's a good Penn State defense. And Michigan State's like, all right, let's run it 32 straight times and dare you to stop us, right? It just, they can beat you in so many different ways that I just don't see Maryland keeping up. I could see them being close for, you know, a quarter and a half doing something interesting, but um, I think Tagovailoa is still 
prone to too many mistakes. Um, you know, they, they do like to spread you out, but without, you know, the Michigan second, there's just no, I just don't see a, any weakness in this defense. Like, you know, they're just, they're, it's going to be too much for Maryland to overcome. And I think Michigan covers pretty easily on the road. Yeah, I think that the secondary of the Michigan defense is better than, um, you know, like the edge and the linebackers. The interior of that defensive line is is elite. I mean, I think everybody saw the highlight of what the 340-pound uh, Kenneth Grant chased down Nicholas Singleton. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Uh, the athleticism to be that big and still chase a guy down. So, uh, But you're right, Anthony. Even when you look at it and you say, well, the edge and the linebackers might be a bit of a weakness. Like, those are still, you know. NFL players or, or, or will be free agents someday. Uh, so it's like, you know, how, how much of a weakness is it really? Uh, Max, what are your thoughts going to this one? Yeah, much like the Ohio State, you know, wanting to end this game by halftime, Michigan probably wants to do the same thing. Uh, but all year long, you know, you've heard them called like a, they're like a python. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of squeak out a few more points before half to kind of, uh, you know, coast into the end of the game and try not to get anyone hurt before the last game of the season, but um, Maryland too, you know, Maryland always feels like a team that, you know, kind of gets forgotten about. They're not, you know, the biggest football program, but they always feel like they're talented. And obviously with the quarterback they have in uh, Tua's little brother, um, they always seem like they're in every game, but this back half of the season has been pretty tough for them. They've kind of uh, gone through the, gone through the gauntlet a little bit. They did get a win against Nebraska last week, uh, but even that being a low scoring game, um, so I feel like Michigan is definitely catching Maryland probably at the perfect time too for this one where Maryland's just kind of defeated um, Michigan could, you know, the emotions of last week was probably a lot in a normal season. You'd probably expect a letdown here, but with all that's going on, it's kind of all unprecedented. I don't, I, like you said, I don't see Michigan letting up here, you know, being caught off guard or being kind of looking ahead at all. So, you know, I think Michigan can easily put this one away by halftime, you know, do what they have to do in the second half of the game. And, just continue to take care of business like they've done all year. Yeah. Um, I forgot to ask core predictions on the last one. So uh, Anthony score prediction on this one. You got one. Yeah. So I had, uh, I think I had, had uh, 45, 10 Michigan. Uh, I think they, it's not often that they hold that team score more than 10 points on this defense. I think Maryland gets a, they get a field goal early and then they get a touchdown in garbage time. But even Michigan's depth is that's the other thing they have going for them is every, when everybody gets off the field, the second stringers could start at most, you know, at most other big 10 schools. They're just, they're so deep at every position. They can just, they can just bully you. Yeah. Keep really keep it going after that. What's your uh, score prediction on this one, Max? Yeah, I've got Michigan 35 to 14, um, 14 would be a lot for Maryland, but like I said, I think maybe late touchdown, end of the game they've got you know they've got a little bit of a high flying offense at times if purdue can get 13 maryland can get 14 right <laughs> maybe 18 seconds left get that last touchdown um i actually have 25 27 to 6 in this one i think um you know sharon moore kind of strikes me as just kind of he wants to get through this stuff and, and jim harbaugh might be back we'll see what happens with the tro on Friday. Uh, but I just, I kind of feel like in this one, you know, they're, they're going to try to do what they can to kind of mitigate injuries and stuff like that. Kind of like Ohio state. Um, and they're just going to really rely on their defense, make that stuff happen. So I would 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere around 27, 30 points to, you know, something less than 10, kind of like some of those early games on in the season were there. So, all right, guys, let's get to Rutgers at Penn State. Rutgers opens up, or Penn State opens up as a 20 and a half point favorite versus Rutgers. I was surprised to see Penn State favored by more against Rutgers than Michigan was against Maryland. I know Penn State's at home, but I still feel like Maryland or Michigan has been so dominant against some of these other teams that, you know, I thought that would have been higher. But uh, Max, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, Penn State coming off the um, kind of coming off the loss to Michigan and kind of, you know, trying to regroup here. Um, They really obviously everyone's seen the defense that Penn State's had um, and the, you know, Versus this Rutgers offense that really all they want to do is run the football and can't really do much else. It seems like a perfect matchup for Penn State. Um, Penn State also is just dominating the turnover battle and Purdue or Purdue Rutgers, uh, you know, not turning the ball over a ton, but always seems like they turn turn the ball over in the most inopportune times. Um, so that definitely feels like an advantage to Penn State. Um, and yeah, like I said, Rutgers not being able to pass the ball and really produce too much offense. They do have a solid defense all year long. We've seen it, um, obviously not last week against Iowa, but uh, Rutgers is always that scrappy team that you really can't look past. Uh, but I think Penn State coming in maybe a little bit pissed off. Um, yeah, I'd have this one at Penn State 29 to Rutgers 7. Interesting. Yeah, what's your thoughts, Anthony? Yeah, so... I, I'm surprised the spread is this big because of Penn State's offense. I think they just, they're really, <laughs> they showed you how limited offensively they really are. I mean, obviously they have a pretty, pretty, pretty solid running back duo. But when you're asking Drew, you know, when you're asking Drew Aller, like with the game in his hands and James Franklin calling the plays, they, they put their tail between their legs against Michigan. So I think this one's probably a little more defensive-minded battle. Both defenses pretty pretty strong. Um, I think I, I've got uh, Penn State twenty-seven, Rutgers thirteen. I think they to Rutgers just you know State's going to pull out some glory, and I think Chiano's you know he'll come ready to play. But I just I think Rutgers doesn't bring in the offensive line that Michigan does. So, you know, if Rutgers runs the ball 32 times in a row, I don't think they achieve quite the same result as Michigan did, even even with a, uh, a running back. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, with Rutgers wanting to run it as much as they are, I think it's really going to prevent Penn State from being able to uh, score as many points as maybe they have in some other games. So I'm right there with you, Anthony. I got 24 to 10 in this one. And I'm going to be interested to see what the offense looks like without Mike Yersich now. Um, I think Mike Yersich caught a lot out of blame when in reality last game, I think James Franklin was kind of the one that made some more poor decisions. I mean, there was some play calling that – you know, I thought it was a little questionable, but, you know, going for two as many times as they did against Michigan, I was just like, dude, you're killing momentum for your team and you're really not helping yourself out here. So, you know, I, I kind of think Mike Yersich was a bit of a scapegoat there, but we'll see what this Penn State um, offense looks like um, and how much time they'll have to operate. Because, like I said, I do think that Rutgers is going to run the ball a lot and that's really going to take some time off. So, uh, yeah, I got 24 yeah. to 10. So you're telling me that you can fire an offensive coordinator midseason? You're allowed to do that? <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just going to leave yes. that out there for the Michigan State program. You know, do it that what you will. 
Were you the one that tweeted out that was like, uh, you know, hey, there's another Michigan, uh, there's another uh, coordinator that's yes, available if Penn State I'm wants to find him. I'm trying to implicate our special teams coordinator and offensive coordinator for point shaving so that we'll fire them. <laughs> <laughs> They're stealing sides. Look at the evidence. It's like, well, they've not been very good. So if they have been stealing <laughs> sides, it's not good. If they have been point shaving, yeah. they've been betting, you know, <laughs> the other team to cover. So. <laughs> All right, let's get to Illinois at Iowa. This is actually a big game. Uh, Illinois has some hopes to win the Big Ten West here, and uh, they could tie – well, not in this game, but if they win this game and they win the next game uh, in Iowa, obviously if they lose this game and lose the next one, they would get into a tiebreaker with Iowa, and they would be able to win. There's some other crazy tiebreaker scenarios. I posted uh, something earlier this morning about like all the tiebreaker scenarios, so if you want to go read that and figure that out, you can. But uh, I do think this is going to be an interesting game. It's at Iowa. Um, seems like Iowa has a super favorable schedule this year because I'm looking at all these like hard games and seeing, oh, at Iowa. Iowa, you know, and they only played Penn State. They didn't play Ohio State. Uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from Iowa, but uh, Cooper DeGene out for the season, it sounds like. I think that's a huge blow to them, more so on special teams than it is uh, on defense. And don't get me wrong, I think defense is, you know, hurt by that, but um, I think Cooper DeGene is just a dynamic player uh, who can make things happen uh, and get you yards on punt returns and stuff like that. So, uh, but Anthony, what are some of your thoughts going into this game? Defense, 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 and more defense. This yep. is it. This has Big Ten. This has Big Ten West Classic written all over it. Low scoring, you know, just watching paint dry. Use whatever analogy you want. Yeah. Um, Iowa is just gonna. They're gonna muck the game up. They're gonna make you. You know, they just they have this way of just really just keeping the game as you know rock foot. And I think that's, I think that's what we see here. I think, you know, you could have some fun moments. Um, you know, I think, uh, Altmyer's got, you know, some pretty, some pretty solid options, especially with Williams as a, as an, as a wide receiver. I think, you know, I was not gonna, you know, I think they just, they have this way on special teams of always finding, even with, even without Cooper Gene, I feel like they'll, they'll have some favorable turnover that goes their way. I mean, you saw what happened against Michigan state. They, you know, I think they, the the turnover, you know, Michigan State very, had that game in hand, and they just they Iowa just in Kinnick, they turn you over. That that happens. So I think this one low score, low scoring, seventeen to six Iowa. Um, I think they're what it was what twenty two to zip against the Rutgers last week. So seventeen six feels right to me. I'll be honest. If John Paddock was playing in this one instead of Luke Altmeyer, I might choose Illinois. I I just feel like John Paddock has really been balling right now. Um, and I don't know what Brett Bielema is doing. I don't know how I, Illinois fans feel about it. I know on the Illini cast, they were kind of going back and forth about it a little bit. But, um, you know, it's it, definitely an interesting situation to have a guy throw for 500 yards one week and then, you know, start the other guy <laughs> next week. I don't I don't have a stat on that, but I'm sure there's a stat somewhere that says that doesn't normally happen. Um, Max, you are uh, as close to an Iowa expert as we can get. You guys obviously had your big win against them earlier this year. What are your thoughts on the Hawkeyes playing Illinois this weekend? Yeah, definitely will be a defensive battle. Um, it is interesting, though, how much, you know, Illinois' defense really isn't what it was last year. They're still solid, but... Um, coming off of last year, you know, Illinois' defense was almost comparable to Iowa's. Uh, so this year, I think it's really just the secondary is kind of taking a step back. They obviously lost a few NFL guys, which makes sense. Uh, but still having Jerzon Newton up front, I mean, that's that dude is a 
absolute game wrecker. Um, for what Iowa wants to do, just play in the trenches, he's going to have to have a huge day for that defense to have success. Um, but obviously, Iowa's offense really isn't going to help them too much, anyways. But uh, think you can force a couple turnovers, or you know, just give Illinois's offense a chance to get a few more touches because um, they're going to need it. Because that, I mean, yeah, yeah, the Iowa defense has just been unstoppable. Obviously, without Cooper DeGene, that's a huge loss. Uh, you know, in the in the secondary. Uh, but their front seven is still just very impressive. Um, and that's as a Gopher fan saying this, like they are unbelievable year in and year out. So it will be a, you know, like you said, a big 10 West classic where it's might seem like neither team really wants to even score at all. It could be tied at zero zero at halftime. Uh, we've seen it before already with Iowa, but um yeah, going back to Illinois' quarterbacks, too, I am shocked that Paddock is not starting this game. I mean, coming in in the fourth quarter against Minnesota to win it um, and then having the huge week he had last week, obviously against Indiana, but still a big week nonetheless. Uh, you'd think he'd ride with the hot hand. Um, Altmaier's been okay this year, but um, obviously I trust him and, and what he can do. So let's see how that works out. But, yeah, I've got uh, I've got an Iowa win 14-9. to Just being at Kinnick, it's a really tough place to play. See, we're all taking the under on this one, which uh, I've advised people to do with Iowa all season long. Even when Iowa got, what, 402 yards of total offense last week, uh, still hit the under. So I just, I think that's hilarious. Um, yeah, the over-under on this one is 30. I'm going to go with 16 to 13, Iowa. I think that Illinois is actually going to be able to score a little bit more without Cooper DeGene there. Um, I don't think that he's like the X factor, like the defense falls apart without him. I mean, he's definitely an X factor, but um, I do think, I actually think Jay Higgins is more of an X factor on that defense than um, DeGene is just because of the position he plays and where he's at to make the plays that he's able to make. So, uh, but I do, I tell you, I, I like what I've seen from Illinois lately. You know, when I saw them play Nebraska and they lost, what, 20 to seven earlier in the year, I was like, uh, there's no hope for Illinois. They're going to end the year you know kind of the way Purdue is into the year uh but you know credit to them they've really bounced back and big reason because of that has been John Paddock um you know the past two games so I mean he came in late two games ago and what an 80 some yard touchdown pass or no it was like three for three for 85 yards there at the end of the game um and then obviously 500 yards so we'll see if Luke Altmaier can make it happen I don't think he can I think the Iowa defense is going to be too much uh but it'll definitely be an interesting game to say the least all right let's move on to speaking of Nebraska Nebraska at Wisconsin um I don't know what's happening with the Nebraska quarterback situation it that has been one I, I've not been able to predict all season long. Um, I think they had four or five turnovers between the three quarterbacks that they played last week alone. Um, it, it's really, really hard to pick Nebraska to win anything with all those turnovers, but the defense is stout. The defense is really, really good, able to make those things happen. So uh, we'll see what goes on there. Um, oh, we'll get back to Sky Upod. They said, Illinois by a billion. Uh, yes. If they can score a billion on Iowa over under one and a half invalid catches from the Hawks. Well, uh, if Cooper DeGene isn't playing, um, I don't know. He was he was the only invalid catch I think I've ever seen. So <laughs> Gophers had one earlier this season. Did they? They did. Okay. I, I didn't see that one then. Who was it against? Uh Eastern Michigan. You weren't watching. Oh, yeah, that's that's why. <laughs> 
I try to watch all the Big Ten games. I miss some of the uh, some of the other ones, but uh, yeah. So Nebraska at Wisconsin. Wisconsin obviously favored by four and a half in this one. Going to be an interesting game. Max, what are some of your thoughts going into the Nebraska at Wisconsin game? Uh, yeah, two teams that are really kind of struggling here. Um, like you said, Nebraska's offense just can't figure it out. Don't know what's going on with quarterback play. Um, they don't really even seem to have real quarterbacks on their roster. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, one like way to put said, it. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, their defense has been playing outstanding. Um, it's really been the key to most of these games being close. Um, and then Wisconsin too, you know, obviously losing their starting quarterback middle of the season. That's a tough, that's a really tough draw, especially under the new coaching regime and trying to figure out everything kind of on the fly. Um, kind of being shorthanded there as well. But um, I think just Wisconsin coming out the loss to Northwestern, that was such a weird game, um, especially at Camp Randall. That just doesn't happen. Um, but it was kind of a reminder that, you know, Nebraska, new coach in Matt Rule, Wisconsin, new coach in Luke Fickle, like these teams are just not the same as, you know, we've been used to. So uh, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I do think Wisconsin overall is obviously the better team. Um, they are on paper more similar than it seems like, you know, both teams being solid defensively, can't quite figure out the offense, but still being, you know, good enough in the run game. Um, and neither team really winning the turnover battle either. So I think it will be another low scoring one. Uh, I've got Wisconsin 19 to Nebraska's 11 low mm-hmm. scoring and probably kind of ugly. Yeah. It's kind of where I have it too. I have Wisconsin winning 21 to 10. I think Nebraska just turns it over too many times in this one, especially with some of the questions at quarterback, Anthony, what are your thoughts on this one? I don't care how bad Wisconsin may be having of a season. If um, if Nebraska loses to Michigan State and turns over the ball the way they did, and they do it in a night game at Camp Randall, Nebraska's not winning this game. Just yeah. they're just not. Um, you know, I, props to props to rule for you know they're in condition. You know that I think some people thought they'd be right now, um, but it's you know I, I think it's it's kind of uh <laughs> this is going to definitely has a battle of mid game written you know written all over and i think neither team is going to really want to win it much um, but <laughs> one team has to so if I, if one team had to win it i pick wisconsin um yeah they so are both playing for bowl eligibility and, okay. so it's like do they want to keep they playing are, or not they are so they want to win but the, when you look at the play on the field you kind of wonder if that's actually what they want um, but you know, I think it just comes down to quarterback play. I watch Nebraska's quarterback, um, and they just he just makes these boneheaded decisions, and it's just it's it's the consequence of not really having a quarterback, like you said, Max. You know, like they don't it doesn't seem like they have any option there. You know, and that's so, what um, I've been for. Was, uh, yeah, sorry, the score prediction was seventeen fourteen Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, that, that's why I've been vying for Jeff Sims to play because I feel like Jeff Sims actually has an arm on him. I feel like I feel like one of the reasons why Heinrich Harberger struggles to like not turn over the ball so much is because one, he makes really bad decisions, and two, his arm sucks. Um, so then when I look at Jeff Sims, I'm like, okay, well, Jeff Sims is clearly just as athletic, if not more. Um, he also doesn't make good decisions, but guess what? He does have an arm. Like I feel like you know. The problem with his turnovers is more that he's turning the ball over because of poor decision making. Heinrich Harberger 
can make a good decision, but he can just throw the ball 15 yards the other way. You know, like, so it's one of those things where I, I don't really understand why Jeff Sims isn't playing more than Heinrich Harburger. Uh, maybe, you know, one of the Sully Scoop guys can help us out with that one of these days. But um, to me, it's like, you just ride with Jeff Sims and you try to get this turnover thing figured out because I feel like he has more potential and I feel like he's going to be more of a, a player down the road. I, I think he still has eligibility left after this year uh, to do those things. So, all right, Anthony, we'll get to your prize Spartans at Indiana. In this one, the uh, Spartans are actually favored. Or, no, sorry, I have that wrong. Indiana is actually favored. I was going to say, I, think, I thought it was Indiana plus Indiana minus four. Yeah, I was it's typing depressing. too fast. It's I was typing too that that fast. Spread. <laughs> That's what I get. Yeah. There we go. Fixed it. Uh, what are your thoughts, Anthony? So this is the uh, Big Ten East pillow fight of the century. Um, two teams who who the bottom has fallen out, and they're just, you know, they're playing for team pride at this point. And um, honestly, I think if that's the case, I feel like Michigan State has more of the chip on their shoulder, like, pride to play for like the guys just want to win for the interim coach you saw how they rallied around harlan barnett when he got the win against nebraska i think they're just going to come on the road ready to you know ready for business they are a they're a young they have a lot of young talent all over the place on this team and so it's a matter of getting those guys to play together in spite of whatever the coaching staff is doing for them um getting you know getting these guys in a position to uh in a position to win. Um, with that said, I think MSU redeems themselves from the botched kick at the end of last year against Indiana and wins the game on a game winner from Jonathan Kim, who has been having a really good year at kicker this year. So I think Michigan state wins at 31 to 28 in a barn burner, uh, exciting fourth quarter game. Michigan state has the ball last they end the game, uh, on a high note. Go barn ahead. burner, fourth quarter pillow fight. <laughs> It's quite the description. You don't hear those words used on this in the same uh, prediction very often. No, you don't. Uh, what's going no, on with I, Noah Kim, though, Anthony? Like, I, I feel like because like they played like a six-year senior or something like that against Ohio State. Um, I imagine he's probably already lost his eligibility for the year. He can't be redshirted. What's what, what's the deal with him? So I think Noah Kim is injured. Um, oh, okay. Regard whoever's left. So they have Kate, uh, uh, Katen Hauser, who's the uh, redshirt freshman. He's been taking the majority of snaps since Kim went down. Right. Um, and, and then Lavette, he's trying to and redshirt, then Le- right? Le- Lavette, he used all of his eligibility. Michigan State definitely mismanaged his um, gameplay. I think they've played him in for one or two snaps in one game. And it, it, it was just kind of like, a, if you're going to ride with Levitt, ride with Levitt and let him, you know, uh, you know, if you want him to stick around, let him know that he's the guy and just, you know, play it out. So I, th- I don't think they managed that situation well. I think based on what we've seen, I think Hauser gets the nod. If things get really out of hand, like Michigan State's not playing for a bowl anymore, right? They, they've, they've uh, played out of bowl contention. So yeah. really at this point, it's, you know, let Levitt know like, hey, we want to preserve your red shirt. We do want to play you. But, you know, they, they just don't want to suck up that year of eligibility from him and do him do him injustice by by mismanaging that and then also burning the red shirt. So I don't know. Yeah. I think I think Hauser gets the start. I don't I would not be I'd be surprised to see Levitt play at all um, if, if I'm being honest. At the very least this season, Anthony, you can say you're one and zero against Connor Stallions on the side. Oh boy! So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Max, what are your thoughts and, going into this one? Or sorry, go ahead, Anthony. What were you saying? Oh, I was going to say, and like, oh yeah, we can just turn to basketball season to solve all of our problems. But <laughs> you know how well that, that's going. I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but we're one and two to start. Oh, trust me, we talked about it <sighs> in the last one. Uh, we talked about Duke and oh, uh, James Madison and AJ Hogard. So, which apparently he came out and took the blame. So, which rightfully so, it is all his fault. Anyway, uh, Max. Yeah, Max, what are your thoughts on this one, man? Yeah, uh, you know, not to be too harsh, but yeah, it seems like neither team really does too much well. Uh, but both teams. <laughs> you can't hurt me. You can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, both teams just wanna want the nightmare to end. Um, it, I was really shocked actually last week to see Indiana and Illinois be as high scoring of a game as it was. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the t- I think the total was like it was under 50 I'm pretty sure and then both teams getting in the 40s was what was it 48 45 I think or something like that something like that so I mean that was shocking to me it showed like I don't know does Indiana have some life in them still but um, you know Tom Allen I know he's been on the hot seat it's it's really hard to say I don't know much of you know what the fans or what the players think but Tom Allen from the outside just seems like an old school coach that guys could could rally around if he gets them fired up but um you know, I don't know if they're just sick of him uh, in Indiana, but um, you know, I, so Indiana I think he's on the say. hot seat. But I think I think his buyout's too big. I don't think Indiana can afford to yeah. buy him out right now. Sure, that's true. That's the hard part. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the one guy that stands out in this game to me is Indiana's wide receiver Donovan McCulley. I mean, six foot five, two hundred pound wide receiver, absolute freak. Um, so if he can make some plays, you know, I think Indiana can win this one, twenty six to twenty four. I hope it's a good game. I hope it's a close game uh, for both these programs. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think, honestly, if I'm looking at it, I picked the score to be 28 to 21, and I could literally see either team being 28 and either team being 20. <laughs> I just I look at the score and I'm like, well, this is gonna be one of them. I I kind of lean IU. I see what you're saying, Anthony, about like them playing for them, um, but there I feel like Brendan Soresby is out there trying to trying to make a name for himself, the quarterback for IU. And I really do feel like, I mean, I've said it all season long. I feel like Indiana has athletes and has talent on offense. And we saw it against Illinois last week. Like they have these playmakers who can do these things, uh, but just completely incompetent coaching uh, makes that a terrible, I mean, let's not forget Indiana did take Louisville down to the wire. I mean, they were, Louisville, who's what, nine and one right now, uh, they took them down to the goal line and they were a yard away from tying that game up in the fourth quarter. Um, so I do think this Indiana team is capable. It's just, and they, and also they, what, you know, were a score away from Ohio State at halftime. Um, so I do think this Indiana team is capable. Uh, but I do kind of wonder some of the same stuff you are, Max, about like, you know, is this team, really playing for uh, Tom Allen, you know, is it LEO love each other or is it SEO sick of each other? Um, I don't know. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll kind of see um, it, it, it does kind of come down to me, whichever team kind of wants it more is really who's going to, who's going to win this one. And I kind of lean IU just because I feel like the fans playing at home, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, that, that's my thoughts. So yeah, there were, 20 and there 21. Were they're remarkably similar teams in that they have horrendous coaching staffs. They both have a single win against the big 10 West school where they scored 20 points to win the game yeah. two weeks ago. 
So they, a lot of parallels between these two, you know, it's just, it's honestly, it's a toss up. It's a 50, 50 game for me. I didn't even realize the 20 points. Uh, you said that that is hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they're both three and seven. Um, yeah. So it is an interesting one. All right. Let's get to our last game. Purdue at Northwestern. Purdue is favored in this one. I think I have the favorite right on that one. Yes. Purdue is favored in this one. The three and seven Boilermakers are favored over the five and five Northwestern fighting David Bronze. Uh, so we'll see kind of what happens. Purdue's shown some life here and there. They've also shown zero life here and there. So they're kind of one of those inconsistent teams. I'm not really sure what to expect. Uh, Max and this big team. West battle. What do you expect? Yeah, well, Purdue coming off the absolute whooping over the Gophers last week was such a disappointment. Um, but they did show that you know you give them an inch, they're going to take it offensively. You know, Hudson Card I think is a is a solid quarterback. Um, obviously, doesn't have as much talent around him as Purdue has had in the past. Uh, their offensive line being decimated with injuries. I think they had a center playing tackle against us. Um, mm-hmm. He still did great. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they can make plays. They have, you know, they want to score a lot of points. They are, they can be an explosive offense, but on the flip side too, their defense can be, um, just as, you know, explosive in a negative way in allowing teams to score a lot of points on them. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they come off the win. If it's, you know, a little bit of a hangover or if they're just, you know, having fun at the end of the year, getting a couple wins, um, but the same thing for Northwestern, you know, having their, having their interim coach promoted to the head coach, uh, getting a home game here. Uh, they've been playing well, obviously too. the win against Wisconsin. Is there going to be a hangover or is it just, you know, <laughs> they don't really care who they're, who they're playing or who they're beating at this point, just keep it going. So, uh, to me, I think Northwestern can win this one, um, especially in Evanston. So I've got Northwestern 28 to 24. It's about what I have too. I have Northwestern winning 24 to 20. I think that there's going to be some fire with this team with David Braun recently hired. Uh, they're playing at home. They're playing for bowl eligibility. I mean, uh, I just felt like there was a fire from this team. Sorry to bring it up, Max, but when they, when they had that comeback win against Minnesota early in the season that you saw that this team you know, they weren't content with just two or three wins this season. Like they wanted to compete and they wanted to do something um, and kind of shock the Big Ten, which, you know, I mean, people are going to make fun of, you know, six and six oh, your bowl eligible Big Ten West team. But at the end of the day, I mean, when you look at what Northwestern was supposed to be going into the season, losing Pat Fitzgerald, David Braun, new to the coaching staff, new. I mean, I think he was new to FBS, right? I think he was at FCS before uh, this season, or at least a couple of seasons before uh, to, to come in and do what he's done to connect with the players and do what he's done. Uh, I just think it's admirable. And I think that those Northwestern players are going to rally around them. And I think Northwestern is going to win 24 to 20. Uh, what are your thoughts, Anthony? So you actually stole my uh, my score prediction exactly. Um, twenty four to twenty. Um, I also have <laughs> Northwestern. I think they. Uh, I'm a little surprised at the um, at the spread the way that it was. Uh, I yeah. I just even with Purdue, you know, putting on the performance they did last week, and you know, Evanston isn't exactly a, an intimidating road environment. I just think Northwestern has more to more to prove with this game, right? With you know, resigning their coach, really committing to him, and. I think the players are going to be fired up on senior day. And, you know, I think, I think this one will be a pretty fun one. I think it'll be, you know, pretty back and forth, obviously with 
you know, Hudson card, I think Purdue is, you know, they're dynamic, right. They, they, they can spread you out and put up a bunch of points. I think Northwestern mm-hmm. solid on defense. They're not show stopping, but they'll do a good enough job to, you know, uh, to, to get the job done on uh 24-20. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think, you know, Purdue's problem this season on defense has been, you know, it's, I guess it's not really a problem because they do kind of limit the big plays sometimes uh, as much as they can with that safety, Thienman, who plays our Thiemann, who plays like 20 yards back from the line of scrimmage. I've seen it pointed out almost every single broadcast. They do like this wide view and they show how far back he is. Uh, I mean, that really does limit how many you know, defenders you have going toward the ball. And I do think that Purdue is a much better running team when they have both Maccabi and Tyrone Tracy back there. I think the both guys were either at or around or above 150 yards last week. Like that was super impressive, especially like I said, with the offensive line or like Max said with the offensive line, the way that it is right now. So um, I don't know. Like I said, Purdue is just one of those teams that like they're so inconsistent. If they can kind of just catch that magic, they can do something really, really special. Um, but like I said, you know, with Northwestern, I feel like this is kind of a magical situation where they want to become bowl eligible. So I do think that this game is going to be a little bit slept on, but it's going to be more interesting than people think. So, all right, well, that's all we got for the Big Ten. Do you guys have any thoughts on week 12 in college football or anything else in the Big Ten you want to get to before we get out of here? All right. Get out your popcorn for a uh, pillow fight of the century, everyone. Can be a good one. Well, I'll be locked in. 12 noon on BTN. Don't even worry about Michigan <laughs> and Maryland. Penn State and Rutgers. Purdue Northwestern. Forget those games. Head on over to BTN and watch the pillow fight of the century. Um, this is one of those situations where I wish YouTube TV would let me pick what four uh, screens I could have on my things right now it's just like i get one big 10 game and three sec games and i don't really care for that but you know it is what it is so all right well thanks max and anthony for joining me on this one appreciate you guys like i said if you're watching please do like and subscribe we appreciate it check out big banter sports big banter or yeah big banter sports.com check us out there uh we have one more comment from chris smith good stuff thanks gentlemen thank you for watching chris we appreciate you man we appreciate everybody else who watches as well uh you guys have a great night we'll see you next time